one we sang about, our Lord Jesus. We are in this series called The Works of Jesus. So Tom has been preaching through, looking at Jesus' life and what he's done. And so this time of year, that kind of topic actually makes a fair amount of money, and it produces things like this. Uh, this is not a commercial, but, you know, last year we had the Bible. Remember that series, the four-part? I don't know if A&E did that or something. CNN is doing this this year. And um, I remember a number of years ago, The Passion of the Christ came out during this time. So there's a lot of intrigue about the person of Jesus. He just doesn't go away, does he? And it's, it's one thing to be curious about the facts of Jesus. It's another thing to know his character. Let me say that again. It's one thing to be curious about the facts of Jesus. Was this the shroud? Right? Is this where he was actually buried? Is this the tomb? And folks go to Israel every year, kind of collecting facts. But there, it's another thing to know his character. So as we look at the scriptures this morning, we are going to see his character. Because I can tell you, one way to find out about someone's character, just look at their habits. Right? I mean, just by looking at my checkbook or my bank statement online, Folks even use checkbooks these days. Some do. You, you can tell, well, what are my spending habits? What are my values? If you really want to look at someone's character, don't just look at their money, uh, look at how they act in conflict. How do they act when they don't get what they want? That is a pretty good window to someone's character. And this morning we see uh, from the scriptures Jesus in conflict. The sermon title is The Unanswered Prayer of Jesus. Did you know there was a prayer that God did not answer for Jesus? We're going to read about that this morning. So, without further ado, we'll go to the text. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. Please read with me. Uh, I'll read aloud. You don't have to read aloud, but follow along. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the, the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation." The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. 
See, my betrayer is at hand. Please say this together with me. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Will you pray with me? Oh God, all glory belongs to you. The one who made the sun come up today. The one who has uh, set the seasons into motion. We get to enjoy this beautiful season where life springs uh, from the bud and through the earth. God, you are worthy of all glory. And so, Father, as I set about to um, run down the track you have for me this morning, I pray that I'd be faithful. And uh, I pray, Lord, that your word would be our food. I pray, God, that we would uh, have the courage and the wisdom and the insight to see where this word rubs up against our lives. And, Lord, that you would give us uh, the grace to put it into practice. So, God, I just give you thanks for this time with your people. And um, those who are curious, Lord, I pray you reveal yourself to them in a very special way if they're just investigating uh, for the first time this morning or for the 101st time. Lord, we all need you. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So a question that's, that has driven me this week as I've prepared the sermon. What do we depend on? What do we depend on? And uh, for me, got a little prop here. Okay. If the goal is recreation and it involves pulling a trout from a stream, it's this right here. See this? This here, nine foot, five weight, medium action. The reel, not so dependable. It's not attached because it was in the bird nest this morning. I was trying to get it undone. It'd be really cool. When you see fly line, you know, it's like neon. It'd be, I'd be flipping it out, but I'd probably whip someone in the head. But if you are going to be a fisherman, a fly fisherman, and where I come from in the Pacific Northwest, there's lots of options for fly fishermen, okay? You got your big water, your big river, and you, gotta, you, know, you need a rod with enough backbone. You know, heave that thing way across the river where the trout are bi- biting. We also have mountain lakes, and they're very still. The trout are really smart, and they can see really well. You got to kind of sneak up on them, use little tiny flies. So this here rod has both the power mm, mm, to get it across the stream, also has the delicacy to lay that fly on the water just right to not spook the trout. Boom! Get yourself some delicious lunch. So what do you depend on? If you're going trout fishing in the Pacific Northwest, you're going to need a 9-foot, 5-weight, medium-action fly rod. All right, one other prop. If you are going to survive, survive a parade with an infant, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, you need one of these. Now, this looks very simple. A, a tremendous amount of engineering goes into one of these bad boys, okay? The, the, the shoulder pads are nice and thick, you know, so it doesn't cut into you. You know, you carry it here. I've carried this. You know, it doesn't look very manly, but, you know, we men have evolved here in the 21st century. You know, and the, you know baby slides in here like so. This is, this is set up for Kareen, who's micro right now, but you can adjust it. You just got to have one of these. You've got to depend on something like this if the mission is to survive a parade with an infant. So that's one way to answer the question. Well, it depends on what we're talking about. If the mission is to relax this afternoon, we're going for the slippers, my favorite shirt. Set of pants that's not too tight, right? Where I can eat and just kind of kick back. That's what I'm going to depend on, okay? Here's the thing. 
Life is a lot more than pulling trout from the stream, streams or toting babies to the parades. might not seem that way sometimes. It might not seem that way that life is more than relaxing and enjoying. It might not seem that way, but you know, for 65, roughly 65,000 of our brothers and sisters in Christ on the island of Vanuatu, who was blasted by a cyclone just a couple days ago, did you know that the biggest church in Vanuatu is a Presbyterian church? And they hold to the confession that our church holds to. It's called the Westminster Confession. 65,000. That's 25% of the population. Okay? I'm sure there's fishermen in that village and there's mamas toting their babies around. That church was blasted by a cyclone. What do we depend on this morning? What can we depend on? No one's worried about the the people in the church in Vanuatu and, and their neighbors who don't go to church. They're not worried about, you know, having a fun time pulling fish out of the water. They're worried about where to get water to drink, you know. A a cyclone has hit them. And I don't know about your life. I don't know about the news in your week. What are you depending on? Here's another way to tell what you're depending on. What has let you down? That's a very revealing question. What are the things that have let you down? Who are the people who have let you down? Fishing has let me down a lot. If you spend any time fishing, you get skunked. Leave your pole at home, drive three hours, I'll blast. <laughs> what about people? What about spouses? What about children? What are we depending on this morning? So a little activity for us. I want us to list, when you think about dependable people or even a dependable tool, think about character traits that are ver- make it very dependable. Character traits like it's comfortable, it's what? What are some others? Something's dependable. It's, it's forgiving. It's, it's easy to use. It's, it's gracious. It's flexible. It's understanding. It's, it's, it's kind of, in a way, compassionate. A, a, a dependable person is compassionate. They, they come through for you in the clutch. They're flexible. They're forgiving. And you see, whatever humans use needs to be that and, and more. You know, when you think about entry-level items, entry-level, I just need something that's user-friendly, something that's not going to, you know, bust on me the first time I try it. Because humans are hard on things. Humans fail all the time. You know, whenever someone has to design a product for people to use, they've got to they've go and run it through really difficult tests and misuse it a hundred different ways to see if it's going to hold up, right? And I'm going to submit that We as disciples, disciples, meaning followers of Jesus, fail all the time. And we need someone who's dependable. So let's look at our our poor disciples uh, in this passage. Next slide, please. Three times over, Jesus is in the garden, okay? And he says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to the point of death. He's the son of God here in his darkest hour. Watch with me and pray. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. He said, so you could not watch with me one hour. And again, he found them sleeping. Then again, he he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later. They were sleeping again, three times over. This passage in the Garden of Gethsemane is sandwiched. Okay, right before the garden, they were at the Last Supper. And right after the garden, it was Jesus was arrested. 
very interesting to see how Jesus is working, how the disciples are failing. On the one, in, in, in the one hand, they're promising, Jesus, you say someone's going to betray you, it's not, not going to be us. We're not going to betray you, we're, we're here. Peter says, Jesus, I'll never deny you. In fact, I'll die for you. Jesus, knowing Peter, knowing his heart, says, Peter, tonight, this very night, you're going to deny me. No, 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 no. No, that ain't going to happen. Jesus quotes a scripture saying, you strike the shepherd, the sheep are going to scatter. So the garden, or, uh, in the garden after this scene is the arrest. All these disciples, we're not going to betray you. We're not going to betray you. Sure enough, Judas betrays him. There he is. There's, there's soldiers coming with clubs, swords and clubs to the Son of God. And, and Peter whips out his sword, takes a hack at one of the soldiers' head, clips the ear. Jesus says, not that way. You see, the Son of God has to suffer. Not that way. And where do disciples go? They split. I wonder, friends, in which ways do we toggle back and forth when we're under pressure, when we're feeling let down, when we're not sure, when we're confused how things are going to go? Do we either whip out the sword or do we run? Some of us have uh, what I call the eye of the tiger mentality. The Eye of the Tiger, you know, great Rocky movie, Rocky Three, great time. Uh, also be, you know, rehashed in a new pop song, The Eye of the Tiger. You know what I'm talking about? Dig in, knock it out. I've got to solve all these question marks right now. It doesn't matter who's in my way. It doesn't matter what is in my way. I know what I want, I think, but I'm not going to let them know that I'm, guess, I think I know what I want, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to run over whoever I need to run over. I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to solve it. I'm going to answer the question mark. Others, like sheep, dear little sweet sheep, I just don't know if I can depend on anybody just trying to live my life in a way that, you know, everybody just keeps letting me down and I can't trust anybody. The world is just a dangerous place. And it's true. So which one is it today? You know, we may tend toward one or the other. I find myself toggling back and forth, you know. When, I, when I'm, um, you know, with my family, they might say, Dad, you ran us over again, you know. How do you, you know, again, the, the question, how do, we, how do we handle, what do we depend on? Some, some of us depend on our own power, our own position. And when we have that, we use that at work, on the job, in the family, right? Some of us feeling powerless, oh, I can't do anything, can't do nothing. Which one is it? Again, the question, what are we depending on? And I'm going to suggest, depending on ourselves, Depending on another human person, depending upon a program. I mean, I'd like to think we're, we're beyond depending on things like trout and, and money and, you know, our spouses. I'd like to think that we're beyond that. We're not. Come on. We depend on all kinds of things that cannot bear the weight. So long as a human being is running the ship, they cannot bear the weight. The disciples failed all the time. In fact, in their prayers... I dare say, how we pray reveals how we depend. Very simply, if you're depending on prayer, you're going to pray. If you're depending on your work to pay your bills, you're going to go to work. 
If you're not praying much, I, I, I suggest look at dependence. Am I depending on prayer? And the disciples weren't depending on that so much. They were depending on, uh, I'm not sure about this watch and pray thing, but I know Jesus, and he's strong, and he's the Lord, and I'm following him. That's not a bad place to be. But you strike the shepherd, the sheep scattered. They just did not know. They did not understand. So does this all sound familiar to you? So if you haven't got it yet, this is the main point of the sermon. If you don't remember anything else, this is the main point. You can depend on the faithfulness of Jesus. You can depend on the faithfulness of Jesus. You would see, if we were to read on in Matthew, that Jesus is beaten. He's mocked. He's struck. He's laughed at. People steal his clothes. He's stripped naked. And he's nailed to a cross. Death penalty by Roman torture. You might say, well, is this the story, you know, Jesus in the garden, was, was he afraid? Was he just kind of afraid to do that? Well, sure he was. He, he was a man. He, he, he was a man. He was also God. But, but it, it was very human for him to say, I don't want to do this. But he was faithful. And so this is sort of the theological heart, you know, re- really the, the, the heart of the message is that Jesus was faithful to what? To his cause, to his faith, no, no, to his mission. He was faithful to his mission. Let me unpack that just a little bit. Okay, the disciples failed three times. Jesus succeeded three times. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. In the Bible, a cup is often talked about as a cup of wrath. It's a cup of suffering. I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will be done. You see, in order to fully understand this, we've got to go back to another garden. Essentially, Adam and Eve, you and me, Nathan, Kareen, Chase, Eliana, Abigail, Benjamin, Gwendolyn, That's a basketball team, plus a reserve player and a coach. Anyway, that's my family. We're all sinners, and we all say, not my will, but thy will. Is that what we say? No, no, no. In the garden, in our lives, just about every day, not your will, God, mine. Not not your will. I'm not interested. I don't even care to know. You know, if you're in here and you're not a Christian, you don't consider yourself a Christian, I believe there's enough light There's enough light that God has given you to know what is right and what is wrong. The Bible says you you can't look at the star at night. You can't can't look at it at sunset and know that God himself created everything. How how can there be a creation without a, a creator? How can there be all of this without a cause? You have enough light, even if you don't know Jesus, to know that God has put something in each one of us to say, God... There is a way, there is a God, and, and really I ought to follow, try to find out about who that is. And some of us have been avoiding that all of our lives. Some Christians still avoid that. And I, I dare say, I mean, if I've got one soapbox, I don't like, I don't really like preachers with soapboxes. I just don't. 
You know, the soapbox is the gospel. It's the only one. And so if I'm going to have like a junior varsity version of a soapbox, here it is. It's that the Christian lacks confidence to say, God, is there more where that came from? Is there more available? Is there more grace? Is there more peace? Is there more life? Is there more hope? Is there more forgiveness? Is there, is there more a greater sense of you being God and you walking with me? Of me getting to know you as Father, not as a word on a page, but in my heart every day? Is that possible? And I'm here to testify. I'm here to testify what I know to be true, that it is available. But too often we say, no thanks, not interested. That's the issue. That's the mission that Jesus came to correct. That it's the rescue mission. You see, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Says, we, we are sinners. We deserve, we're children of wrath. You turn away from the God, the creator who, who, who gives you life. I don't know why I'm thinking of Pinocchio. I just am. Okay, Pinocchio, Geppetto, remember the story? Geppetto makes a puppet, a, l- a, little, a little creation, and Pinocchio runs wild. But Pinocchio, don't you realize I fashioned you together? And when Pinocchio finds forgiveness of his father, he becomes a real boy. That's a nice little analogy. But think about it. A God who made us, who formed us, who created us, and we turn away, are, are we crazy? We say we're not, we're not interested I've got enough here between the fly fishing and the babies at the parades and the, you know, the food and the loving and the, you know, pursuing my own wants. Uh, you know, and maybe you're in here today and you're like, you know, Nathan, I don't, I don't know about all this Christian stuff. And I don't really need it. I don't really need, you Christians are all on your crutches. Have you heard this before? You Christians need your crutches. Well, I don't need that. I, I'm doing just fine. I got the eye of the tiger. To that, I would say this. In all due respect, I would say, friends, I wish you the very best in the remaining years of your life. I wish you the very best when a cyclone hits your bank account, your marriage, when it touches one of your children. If you're interested in more, If you're interested in the doorway beyond death, if you're interested in knowing and depending upon a power greater than yourself, and I don't don't know that I could say this, uh, I mean, I I can say it, I, I hope I could back it up, where though God would take the very best of what I love, He would be enough. He would be enough because I can depend on him. And the reason why we know that is this, is because Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross to reconcile sinners. Next slide, please. This was his mission. There's the not your will, mine. Sorry. This was his mission. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose none of, of all that he has given me. Jesus is talking about the church, the Christians, those who believe in him. His mission is the Father's given him some, and he's not going to lose any. And they're reconciled at the cross. Their sins are forgiven at the cross. And I will raise it up on the last day, raise it up from death. If you're interested in that, John 14, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me.
Next slide, please. See, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. That's the mission. Jesus wasn't just a martyr for his faith. This isn't a personal victory. He is the son of God who reconciled sinners. You know, the son of a duck is a duck. Son of a fish is a fish. The son of God is God himself, and only God himself can overcome the sin of the garden. That's why uh, uh, Romans 5 calls him the second Adam. Hebrews chapter 2 says, I'm no longer ashamed to call them brothers. Through the cross, I have delivered them to God. These are my children. Also Revelation chapter 5. He's he's made them to be a, a kingdom of priests to our God. He's ransomed a people, that's us. Is that you this morning? By laying down his life, he paid for our sins. Father, not my will, but thy will. Not my will, but thy will. Not my will, but thy will. Jesus was faithful to his mission. And we could depend upon it. Because he did not fail. And here's the thing that's great about this. The disciples didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was going on. Their head was spinning. I don't know, Jesus said something about, you know, destroy this temple and raise it up for three, whatever. We're just following Jesus. They didn't know what was going on. That's why they split. And how many times, friends, we don't know what's going on. We, we, you know, we just don't know what's going on. And here's the thing about the mission of Jesus. The cross, the cross is the turning point of all history. It's really the... The, the work of reconciliation, proof in the pudding, it, it touched the ground and it continues. And it is continuing until everything is made right, until every Christian looks like him. He's continuing to work. He's continuing to redeem. That nation of Vanuatu, you want, you want to know how that church started? Two missionaries were killed. One was eaten. 25% of the population, they believe what we believe. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ it's continuing. The mission continues. And he gave us his mission, right? Go there in all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The mission continues in your family, in my family. And I've got to tell you, this week was, I, I've wrestled with this all week. You know, sometimes a valid joke is, hey, isn't it nice to only work on Sundays? People say it preachers sometimes. You only, you only work one day a week, right? I mean, there was, I was a preacher long, be- I was not a preacher long before I was a preacher. But I'm telling you, wrestling with this all week, and, and, and I really had to say, you know, what does it mean to depend? And it's like, you know what, I'm like the disciples. I need to know that God is on the mission. I mean, because I kind of look back on the cross, you know, the, the, those in the Old Testament, they look forward to the cross, not quite knowing how it's going to work out. I look back on the cross, okay, it happened, but what about my relationship with this person and that person? And there's just some chaos spinning out of control in my extended family right now. And, and I'm like, man, I just don't even know what to do, what to say. There's chaos spinning out of control and where you work and your relationships and different areas and your kids and your friends. And I mean, there's just chaos. You're just not quite sure. Here's a worthy goal of the sermon. This is a worthy goal that, that I think. Can we identify one area where we're confused, where, where we don't? Their situation is unresolved. Can we identify one area 
Can, can you? Can, can, I want you to think of it right now. I want you to pick, pick an area. I'll give you a second. Pick, pick an area that's unresolved and say, can I now depend? Not whip out my sword, not turn tail and run, not make promises I can't back up. Can I, can I depend? Can I watch and pray with my master knowing he is faithful? I can depend on him because of the cross. I know it's legit. And he makes that offer to all of us for the first time, for some of y'all, and again and again for the Christian. Will you trust me? Will you depend upon me? Do you understand that I'm working in a way that you do not understand? My ways are not your ways. Next slide, please. Remember the main point. We can depend on the faithfulness of Jesus. Let's do some... Um, you know, let me, let me pause here for a second and answer some objections if we have the time. Because we'll do the application in just a second. I can hear the objection right now. Nathan, this is an intellectual question, but it's a worthy one. Does that make God some kind of child abuser? That, that God would punish his son for someone else? What kind of a God is that? It's a question that cuts both ways, you see. It cuts both ways because... Look at what God did to offer you a place. Look at what he went through to offer you a place. And, and, and why it was, what are the rules that, that, that say that, you know, the son of God has to suffer? I, I, I don't quite know. But that's the extent that God went to. And that was the very anguish of Jesus. Do you know why it was such so anguishing for Jesus? Because the most precious thing in his life was his connection to his father. The most precious, he depended upon his connection to his father. And he knew he had faced the cross alone. Alone. For sinners, that's the extent to which you and I are loved by God the Father. And that's why it's so important. That God says, now, Jesus should be exalted to the highest place. Right? He, he went through that for sinners, but now he's exalted to the highest place. And friends, that is his place in our lives. The highest place. All glory belongs to him, Revelation chapter 5. All, all glory belongs to the lamb who, who, who got me, who did what he had to do to, to make me one of God's children. So consider that. I know it's still a tough question. What, is, what does this say about, about God? But if anything, it says how much he loves us, how much he loves you. Okay, now the application. So let's apply this liberally. If we can depend on the faithfulness of Jesus, if that's true, I believe it's true, then we can rest when things are unresolved. We can know that God has something redemptive in the works. He will resolve all things. He will. And that's hard to believe in the nitty and the gritty. That is hard to believe when you lose a loved one. It's hard to believe when a cyclone wipes out innocent people. I understand. This one who's made me his, gives me his word, and his word says he will resolve all things for his glory. 
We can learn to be with him as he works. We can learn how to watch and pray. This encouragement to watch and to pray. It's much easier if, next slide please, we do not depend on the things that cannot bear the weight. What are those things that we are depending on that obviously over and over and over and over again tell us they cannot bear the weight? You know, you're not going to be beautiful forever. You're not going to be fit and strong forever. There's going to be a time when I can't get to the trout stream. There's, there's going to be a time when my mind will fail me. There's going to be a time when my children will fail me. Do not depend upon the things that cannot bear their weight. Keep, keep in mind the design. Trout are fine one day a week. Right? Not to the neglect of the other important things. My, my, my children, they, they, they deserve more than the trout do. Okay? Also this, things like truth and beauty and faith and hope and love, your own identity, these are eternal things. Direct them and seek them from the eternal God. Friends, we can depend on the faithfulness of Jesus in the priest's prayer here. Heavenly Father, you were faithful. You are faithful, and you will be faithful. I thank you, God, that you have not failed me, you are not failing me, and you will not fail me. Lord, I pray for all of us in this place that we would lift up the Son of God, the dependable one, the faithful one. We would lift him up to the highest possible place and worship him in spirit and in truth. All of these things I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.